From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 185. It's brought to you this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, Anchor, and Ting. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and uh, right off the bat, I need to thank Federico Vatici. He's not here today. He has taken over for me in line in uh, in San Jose. Oh, that's a good idea. So you can like go and get some pizza and stuff and like just record the show, and then he just takes over. Have I got to go there next week? Uh, maybe. We'll have to consult the calendar. Hmm. Okay. You know, I, I didn't think he would want to make the trip ha- halfway around the globe, but he's Federico's a very giving person. So. Mm-hmm. Well, because the lottery is tomorrow, right? So I guess he'll know if he needs to join you yeah. in the line. So I guess that's why he's just made made a jump on it. Yeah, it, it seemed to make sense. So, anyways, uh, that's Mike Hurley. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hello. You good? Yeah, I'm good. How are you, Stephen? Are you good? Good. It's been, I feel like this has been the theme this year so far. This part of the year is generally quiet. And like this Google Doc today is like bursting at the seams of stuff to talk about. It's been Mm -hmm. a very busy March. Uh, I was off last week on some vacation and like just tons of stuff happened. Every time I I picked up my phone, uh, there was something going on. We have a lot to get into. um, But first, we're going to start with a... A new section I am calling follow print. So we have follow out, <laughs> and we have follow in, and we have follow around. But now we have follow print. Now I don't think follow around. This is a, I don't think that was one. What's follow around? Oh, I, I can't really talk. It just okay. you know it when you see oh, okay. it. You know. Mm-hmm. So there's this link uh, we're going to put in the top of the show notes. Uh, our friend Jason Snell was in the newspaper. Talking about how the Mill, Ville, Mill Valley resident records and hosts numerous podcasts in his garage. It's a fun article. It's funny. Uh, I love this idea of like Mill Valley podcast. He sounds like it's he's a superhero yeah. or something. And uh, there's one comment on this article which really makes me laugh a lot. Uh, I bet it's really his mom's garage. Which is just like, I love the idea in this person's mind that like podcasting is not a business and like Jason can make no money from it. It's it's very funny to me. It's very sad. It's grown man. It's a nice little interview though. I like it. It's great. It's, it's, and it's funny. Got the download It's always art. funny to, to be in a place like a, that doesn't understand what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? Like I feel like the Mill Valley Journal doesn't really understand what Jason's no. doing, but they wrote this article about him anyway. And there's something kind of cute about that. Yeah. That'll be in the show notes. Uh, it is. It is fun. It, it, we have that in real life, right? Like, oh, I'm a podcaster. What? You know, but to, to see it in print, mm-hmm. follow print, new section. Uh, so we have a kind of a, a section of follow-up that's sort of follow-up and sort of like a pointer uh, follow-out to uh, download, which we're going to record tomorrow about Facebook stuff and like news initiatives. Like there's a lot going on here. Uh, there's an article in the USA Today about... Apple News and their approach to solving the fake news issue. And basically, it's a lot of staff, a lot of human editors, a lot of curation going on there. It's a really interesting article kind of uh, behind the scenes on how Apple thinks about this and and how they are approaching it. And I think I think for the most part, it's, uh, it's a good way to approach it. And then you have sort of on the other hand, you have Google, who has launched the News Initiative, which is a it's really a series of things. Like it's not just one program, but they're investing three hundred million dollars into journalism 
uh, and to journalistic journalistic entities who really focus on breaking news, and so they can make sure that what shows up in Google News and in the Google, um, you know, like the stream on Google Assistant and that sort of stuff, is all accurate and correct. So a big investment there. Uh, they're creating tools for journalists to be able to use for fact checking and data collection, and they are um, partnering with news organizations to sort of develop this alongside them. So kind of two sides of a coin, I think, of how of how you sort of handle this. And I think both Google and Apple are making really good efforts in this uh, in this push, and that contrasts really strongly with Facebook's terrible, terrible week, which is still going terribly for them. And uh, so anyways, just kind of want to point people to download tomorrow. I think that'll be a really interesting conversation. Yeah. And we were talking last week about this sort of stuff, right, me and Federico. And there there is still a feeling that I have, which whilst I believe this is a good thing, there is like a just a, I, I feel a little uncomfortable with like hand-picked curation of news sure like there's just something about it which i i don't know if it will introduce new problems and that that's what these types of things just make me a little bit like ah, I, I don't know which is like one of the reasons why in my life i tend not to pay attention to too many news outlets anyway because it's not very helpful for me personally but like i i just wonder if these big tech companies just start curating news are there large large parts of the world that don't feel like the news is served for them anymore which creates problems like we have now in many places around the world or do things just like purposely get left out that should be included i don't know and this stuff just makes me like ah i don't know about it right because it's personal biases you have two two ways to do this you either have biases or algorithms that can be gamed like they're the two ways of doing this and in my opinion like neither of them are well they're not perfect neither of them are perfect and it's just about seeing like what are, what are the the biases how do they end up working out so it, it's something to keep an eye on but like it feels like there is a problem and it's trying to be solved, but there is a potential that it's going to be solved too hard. And and I'm kind of waiting to see. I'm just, I just remain a little bit skeptical about all of this stuff. I, I think that's totally fair. And it's um, I had a lot of complicated feelings when I was listening to last week's episode. Uh, I, I see what you're saying. And I think that is a real like there's always danger in that, but the reality is bias exists well before news shows up in Apple News or the Google homepage. Like there's bias in newsrooms and of course there is. The the big difference between these sources and like that are, you know, artificial and fake and made up versus like actual journalism going on is that trained journalists are and trained editors are taught to eliminate as much bias as possible, but that's frankly impossible. And, yeah. you, and you see, this is exactly where Facebook screwed up with their news feed a couple of years ago, where they 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 had introduced human bias into the stories that were trending because they had to go through human curation. And then they switched to robots doing it, and then Russia took over Facebook. So it's complicated. I think I think your approach is the right one of ha- always be always be thinking about that sort of stuff and being aware that there are always humans behind um behind behind all of it but um yeah i I think that at the very least they're good uh things moving in the right direction yeah i mean like ultimately this is probably well ultimately this is better than fake news stories being created right like it is better than that but 
I say, I, I think it was right to just remember that there's always people there and that, you know, not every story is the full story. Right. That's kind of the way and, I think and there is, this is, like, all this stuff is so new, right? Because back in the day, like, when that newspaper that covered Jason, when their company was relevant, you just buy their newspaper and, like, you had the biases within the newsroom, but you trusted the system to work those biases out. And by the time a newspaper came out the other end, it was as factual and as even-handed as possible. But what we have now is that news organizations have been splintered and news has been has become a commodity. And so you load up Google News and you have 18 different sources there and you lose the credibility of going to your local paper and knowing that what they stand for and the work that they do. And so these tech companies mm-hmm. have been inserted into the news delivery system and now they have a this is my this is my no, I'm not going to yell about Facebook, but my number one problem with Facebook is that they don't seem to understand that they have that responsibility, and they do have that responsibility, and they've blown it. And I think I don't know if Apple and Google are going to get this right. Uh, I hope they I hope they are, but um, at the very least, I think it's important to talk about it. Yeah, I just I just like why do tech companies even need to do this? Why why do why do these big technology companies feel like they have to provide everything? It, f- it feels like the web portal days of the 90s, right? Like you go to AOL or Yahoo yeah. and you get your news and your email. And when I see Google News or I see Apple News, that's what I'm reminded of. Like if those web portals had never existed, would Apple run a news service? Would Google have news on their homepage? Like, I don't know. It just feels like just just do what you do. Like you don't have to do everything. Oh, it's like, oh, we're going to give you music and we're going to give you movies and we're going to give you your news and we're going to give you just everything you need yeah. in life. It's like, all right, just chill. Ecosystems, like, man. Just chill. Ecosystems. Mm. So a quick reminder that we will be holding a live show during WWDC in conjunction with AltConf and ATP. Uh, There's a link in the show notes to get tickets. Tickets are moving quickly. I would not wait if you are going to be in San Jose um, at WWDC or hanging out. You should totally just come hang out because it's a great town. There's lots of fun stuff to do and lots of nerdy people. Uh, Be sure to get a ticket because I I think they're going to be sold out here pretty soon. Yeah, and we're, we're planning a fun show. We've got some good stuff uh, going on right now, and we're really excited about it. Um, and we think that you'll enjoy it if you come. You know, you're going to get to see the three of us, like when, because Federico's already there waiting, prepping right. uh, for the event. And then we're going to have some other Relay FM hosts uh, on stage with us as well, uh, kind of like similar to what we did in 2016. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited about it. Um, I'm expecting that a lot of these tickets will move this week after the uh, the lottery is announced. Totally. So if it is on your mind or you're going to be in town, do not sit on this. Like, they're $5. Just come and get one. Uh, so there was a little news this morning, right? So uh, the iPhone SE – no, it's not the iPhone SE 2. <laughs> it seemed like if that was going to happen, it was going to happen today, and now I don't think there's an iPhone SE 2 coming anytime soon. But – Well, we'll talk about that later on. New Apple Watch bands, Mike. Your favorite yeah. Apple accessory. I love that. You know what? You're probably right. <laughs> I think of I am. All the accessories <laughs> that Apple sells, I think this is my favorite. Um, I'm really annoyed about this press release, though. This press release is very annoying because they're talking about things that they're not showing, which really frustrates me. So there's a bunch of basically, it's uh, there are no new bands, but there are new colors and styles of all of the existing bands. So they have new nylon bands, uh, new sport bands. They have some new Nike sport loops and bands which are going to be sold separately for the first time and they have some new styles of the apple watch ms 
but the all of the press stuff it only shows a limited amount of the images like and the images sorry only show a limited amount of the total uh bands available and it doesn't and there's like one image which probably shows more of them but it doesn't indicate what's what very well so i find that very frustrating because i want to just see them mm-hmm. um it seems really weird to just be like oh we're doing this thing it's a very visual thing and they're going on sale later this month and it's like oh just give me all of them show me all of them i'm expecting later this month means next tuesday um after they announce whatever it is they're announcing in a high school um but that's that's coming soon but yeah i like the bands i love i have basically come to the decision that the sport loop is my favorite of all time and i'm really keen to see what the nike ones are they're called black pure platinum bright crimson and black cargo khaki midnight fog and pearl pink and they show the pearl pink one i think i can work out the crimson black one from the big image but i want to see all of them so i can make some purchases i i like maple watch for the most part um but i really have not gone too crazy with the bands like nine times out of ten i'm wearing um the pure white sport band with my stainless steel apple watch and then i have a black sport band and then i have an orange one which they don't sell anymore it's one of the first colors i think and uh, i have the uh a nylon one which i wear sometimes but like i unlike you i really don't care for the uh what is it the the new one with all the velcro oh no that's the one that i love the sport loop yeah i I don't i don't really care for it um i haven't owned one but i've tried one on the store and i I didn't really like it but uh so i don't know like another thing here that really jumps out at me i don't think let me try and sell you on the sport loop, right? The reasons I like it. I mean, one, I, I do find it comfortable. But the other, it, you can adjust it to exactly the the like the grip that you want, like the, the size that you want. Where all of the others, you have to fit within the holes or whatever. This one is like perfectly adjusted. So... When I'm swimming, I tighten it up a little bit. When I'm just when I'm kind of hanging around the house, I loosen it a little bit. That's one of the reasons that I really love it because you can do that with it. So, hmm. yeah, I don't know the 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 regular sport band, the the hole that I wear it like fits like it's really good. And it's funny if you have multiple sport bands, you will notice this. They're, the colors are a little bit different. So like the white and the black don't feel the same, and the black is a like a millimeter yeah. tighter for some reason but um i could totally see if i was in between sizes on this band that you know i would want something more adjustable maybe i'll give it another shot and i always have been by the way like i've always been in between sizes of all of the bands with the holes in like i never feel like i get just the right fit that i'm looking for and that's one of the the reasons that i like it plus it makes this sound you know who doesn't like that that's a good sound it's <laughs> a good sound All right, let's get to this March event, but first you want to tell us about a sponsor? I most definitely do, and I'm going to tell you all about Squarespace. You can enter the offer code WORLD at checkout. You'll get 10% off your first purchase. And why should you go there? Well, let me tell you why. Squarespace will let you easily create a website for your next idea. You can make your next move with Squarespace because they are an all-in-one platform. No matter what type of website you want to build, no matter what type of thing it is you're looking to put online, Squarespace has all of the tools that you're going to need. If you want to create a blog, you can do that. Our blog at Relay FM is on Squarespace because it's the easiest and most simple way to do it. It's super customizable. We were able to give it the look and feel that we wanted, and we didn't have to worry about building a blog ourselves. You can maybe create a portfolio if you're an artist. You can create a site for your business, maybe for a restaurant, and they have all little tools and plugins that you can drop in to make that stuff work really well for you. 
And if you maybe want to create a website and then sell stuff, maybe you have some merchandise you want to sell, or maybe you can sell some digital goods, they have an online store functionality that can be easily plugged into any website. There is nothing to install, no patches or upgrades that you have to worry about. Squarespace have got you covered, and they even have 24-7 customer support in case you need any help. And like many things at Squarespace, that is award-winning. You can sign up for a trial today. You can build out your whole website before you even sign up for a plan. And then when you decide it's right for you, you can get started with one of their plans. They start at just $12 a month. And if you use the offer code WORLD, W-O-R-L-D, you will get 10% off your first purchase and also show your support for this show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of Connected and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So last week sometime, um, towards the end of the week, I think, there was a press invite that landed in a bunch of people's inboxes. Um, for an event in Chicago at the Lane Tech College Prep High School. Um, it is at 10 a.m. Central Whoa, Time. I, I, finally! I, I needed finally. to point this out. I need, I, we, uh, we did on Upgrade, we did our draft. If, you don't, if you've never heard one of the Upgrade event drafts before, so good. Uh, go listen to episode 185 of Upgrade. We, we have a lot of fun with those. Um, it's, an, it's a novel way to do predictions. Uh, I noted, to, to, because Jason mentioned it to me, because the event just says 10 a.m., right? And I'm so used to it being 10 a.m. Pacific. But because it's in Chicago, they're doing it at Central. So it is 10 a.m. Central time. So just bear that in mind when you're setting your calendars. That is my public service announcement. So because I have done a draft with Jason... Anyone that listens to that show, they already know what I expect. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen, I want to talk to you about what your expectations are for this event. So, it's called Let's Take a Field Trip. It's in a school. I think it's pretty safe to assume we're looking at something focused on education in some way, <laughs> um, rather so. than it being like the, the iPhone 11. What if they show up and, uh, and it's just like, a, I don't know, like it's all pro hardware and software they're like one day kids you can be pros too and they just leave that would be this is where they're going to announce the mac pro oh my gosh don't tease casey i know he's really excited about and it. the and the ipod phone as well like any day now or the yellow submarine ipod like it's all of this stuff is finally going to come true that is some real hashtag tbt do you remember that rumor we, we have to talk about this for a second yeah. there was a rumor yeah. for a long t- a long time long time that Apple was going to do a special edition of the iPod. Remember the U2 iPod? I have like six of them. They're black and red and they're mm-hmm. the, engraved on the back with the signatures of the band. And people really thought that Apple was going to do a yellow submarine version. And they yep. were like, you know, like mock-ups and like renders. People like took a picture of it and like colored it in Photoshop. And it... Uh, I have an article here from TechCrunch oh my God. Uh, from July 2007. Yellow submarine iPod coming soon, complete with Google's back catalog. Turns out, not so true. Never happened. But it did make sense at the time, oh, yeah. though, right? Because like this was back in the day when you would get these like complete iTunes store takeovers because one of the last holdouts decided to go to streaming. Mm-hmm. Like when like Led Zeppelin went to streaming, and basically everything on the iTunes homepage was Led yeah. Zeppelin for well, a well, week. Well, not streaming. And, uh, available to purchase online. That's it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just available to purchase on iTunes. Like yeah. they weren't digitally available, and Beatles was always coming. So. Th- they thought, well, well, they'll do an iPod, is, but it never happened. Is that anyway. when the Apple homepage said a day you'll never forget? Was that the Beatles launch? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. A day you'll never forget. We'll also find oh, that and put gosh. in the show notes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. That was, that was one of the biggest marketing like PR blunders that Apple have was ever it? done. Was it? We never forgot. A day you'll never forget. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Apple teases surprise. Tomorrow is a day that you'll never forget. Oh, my gosh. Um, this is, I got, found it on Business Insider, and they've got a screenshot. They had, tomorrow is just another day that you'll never forget. Check back here tomorrow for an exciting announcement from iTunes. And they had all the clocks and all the different time zones and everything. And it turns out it was just the Beatles. So here's, look, look at this. What's it referring to? iTunes in the cloud? Free streaming? A Spotify killer? The Beatles on iTunes? 90-second song previews? iOS 4.2 for the iPad and iPhone? <laughs> something awesome from iBooks? Something free? Something crappy and forgettable? Something else? This is the Business Insider article by Dan Fromer uh, on November 15th, 2010. Wow. So... That's incredible. That, that's that that was and it was just the Beatles. See, you know what this is kind of funny, right? So last week when you went on the show, I decided to like tailor the show a little bit just to to Oh, I heard the last I heard the last section. I heard I heard I heard I And heard now it. it's just me and you. We're talking about like old Apple rumors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm very accommodating to my co-hosts. Whatever they need, I will provide them. You're very you're very gentle um, co-host. Very, very gentle co-host. So let's talk about expectations. What do you expect from the event on Tuesday? Like, what are your realistic expectations for what we're going to see? I think we will definitely see uh, some combination of iPad and Mac hardware, either geared towards students in general or specifically called out for bulk purchasing. So a lot of people aren't super uh, familiar with this. We're going to talk about how I, I just talked about in a blog post that we're going to talk about after the next ad break. But if you're a school, so Mike, you're a school, congratulations. And you, the Mike Hurley school of excellence. Yes. I would attend that. Yeah. So hard. Me too. You, and you need to, you want to deploy a one-to-one. So every student in your school has a Mac or an iPad. You just don't like waltz down to the Apple store and buy, you know, 150 MacBook Airs, you have access to buy them in bulk. So you can buy Macs in a five pack and they come in a big box and there are five of them in there. Or you can... Uh, that is wild to me, by the way. Oh, yeah. That you can buy like a like a pack of Macs. The, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a five pack. You know, like you get the Kindle Fires, <laughs> but these are not $49 a piece. Yeah. Uh, or you can buy a 10 pack of iPads. And with the iPads, they roll in AppleCare Plus for either two years or three years, depending on the SKU you want. So you're buying in bulk and they are slightly discounted prices for those purchases. Um, in a former life, I spent a lot of time in this field. Uh, when I left the Genius Bar and started consulting, I like my biggest clients were actually Apple clients and Apple would hire us to go into the schools and deploy uh, Macs or even for the state of Florida, we deployed like 2,500 iPod touches across the state. This is before the iPad and iPod touches are a terrible one-to-one program. I'm so sorry, children of Florida, that you were given iPod touches in your science classes. But uh, you cut up in all these five packs and and they're really well done. Like all the serial numbers on the outside of the box, you can scan them all in. Like it's all very well thought out. The problem is it's all too expensive, especially in light of Chromebooks. And Chromebooks can do a lot of great stuff, and they are taking over a lot of schools, mainly, uh, I think, for two reasons. One, Google's cloud services, which are free if you are a school, are just incredible. You get all the normal stuff you get in Google Apps, 
uh, and you get lots of management tools and uh, that stuff is really pretty easy to use. You can integrate your existing LDAP and do all this stuff. But Chromebooks are also significantly cheaper, especially than uh, Education Mac. So if you're a school, Mike, you can go buy the 13-inch MacBook Air, or even as education, you can still buy the 11.6-inch MacBook Air. It's not for sale to consumers anymore, but Apple still makes it and sells it for schools. I fully expect that that world of Apple hardware for schools will see some significant changes. That may mean that the MacBook Air just gets cheaper. It may mean that there is some new low-end Mac notebook for you know for schools. Uh, it may mean that they're that three hundred twenty nine dollar iPad, which is a little bit less for for uh, education buyers. Again, that that becomes significantly cheaper, or maybe there's a new model, which we can talk about in a minute. But I really think there's going to be a focus on addressing the Chromebook problem more directly because I think up until this point, Apple Apple for a long time has had a very comfortable position in education. There's all these stories about when the Apple II came out, like. Steve Jobs even like go to schools and like deliver them and like set them up in classrooms. Like it's always education's always been really important to Apple. Just like just like music has. And for a long time like like in the 90s like when I was in, you know, elementary school um and right around the turn of the decade in high school, a lot of schools just had Macs cuz like schools just bought Macs because they lasted a long time and they just had that that heritage, right? Once you were a Mac school, you kind of always a Mac school. But over the last five or six years, Apple has really lost ground uh, to Google. Again, because his Chromebooks are cheap, they're easy to manage. Uh, if you destroy a Chromebook... It's price, right? Like, price is the reason. Pr- price yeah. is by far the primary reason. And I think Apple is going to do something about that. You know, I don't know if they're going to have a MacBook that's three ninety nine. Like, I just don't think that's possible. But I think if they can bring that MacBook Air to... Six or seven hundred dollars or eight hundred dollars. Well, I mean, like three ninety nine is possible. They just won't. They just do won't it, do it. Right? Like, that's the difference, yeah. right? They they could make the plastic MacBook again and probably sell it for that amount yeah, oh, of money yeah. now. But like, they're just not going to do that. Which I understand, yeah. right? Because you don't want to like completely kind of sell out to it. Right. But it depends on what the yeah what and, the kind of the focus is. Um. So yeah. So I think something in there with hardware. You know. Uh, whether this stuff comes to consumers or not, I don't know. Um, but okay. I think hardware is going to be a significant amount of time. Do you think, though, that they would do an event like that is publicly referenced for just stuff only for schools? I think Apple's so big, if they hold an event just for schools, it's going to be public anyways. <laughs> so Yeah, but like they don't have to hold an event at all. Right. And they don't. And they'd also, the, to add to your point and take away from mine, uh, they don't have to invite press to these things. Right, like no. Jason's getting on a plane or a canoe or something and going to Chicago, so mm-hmm. that you know flying garage that he, yeah. he moves around in the garage. It's his mom's flying. His garage. mom's flying garage. Jason Snell's wonderful magical flying garage <laughs> coming to Broadway. Um, <laughs> so look at the iPads on Macs, right? Which I I'm in agreement with you. Cheap cheaper iPads, cheaper Macs potentially. What does that look like, right? Do, do, if they do, do you think that they're just going to take what exists right now and make it cheaper, or do you think there's going to be new stuff that's cheaper? I think the the easier thing to do is take existing stuff and make it cheaper. I, I don't. I think the the, an, the answer to that question is how how seriously does Apple view the Chromebook threat? If they come out swinging with, I don't think it's going to happen, but come out with a three ninety nine 
plastic MacBook or uh, a and a, a two hundred and fifty nine point seven inch iPad yeah, or something. Right? Yeah, like if that would be awesome, and and that I think would definitely be education only. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would like to see Apple take education more seriously. I would like to see them make education only hardware again, but I just I just don't know if that's in the cards right now. Um, well, let me ask you this then, okay? Because this isn't the first time that Apple's done an event like this, right? They did a, an event in New York a number of years ago, which Phil Schiller presented, if I'm remembering yes, correctly. Yes, the iBook uh, iBooks are going to change textbooks forever, which it totally uh, didn't happen. Did not. So what was announced at that event? Was it just iBooks and iBooks author? I believe so, yes. Okay. So, I mean, there is a possibility that they just do a thing and it's not huge. I mean, I'm definitely thinking that, you know, we're not going to have weeks worth of things to talk about that come out of next week, right? Like, there is a possibility that by the time connected is ready like we have like 20 minutes on it and that's it right <laughs> which is not what you know usually yeah. like you would have an entire episode dedicated to any type of apple event but yeah. I, I really i'm really thinking that there's there's not going to be a lot for the general public to get excited Pro- probably about. probably not next Tuesday. it's going to be i mean i think they've set that expectation that's going to be smaller it's in a school uh i think too though in addition to the hardware stuff I, I do think there's a software component here and i think only on the ios side like Mac OS server is effectively dead and they roll a bunch of stuff into client. But like, I think the Mac education story is, is kind of just going to be the same forever. Like they have some cheap Macs and if you want them, you can get them. But I think that they're pushing iPads and iOS and education. And there's lots of talk about classroom and class kit in iOS 11.3. I think we'll see whatever that looks like. We'll see some potentially some like third party developers or people in iBooks like whatever using this stuff and showing how it can how it can be rolled out, um, and hopefully some more management stuff. You know they have that classroom app that on an iPad if it's hooked up right you can have multiple users and it syncs up to the cloud and I think all that stuff needs attention and, and more uh, more features and some evolution. So I think if there's a software story it's going to be effectively iOS only. And if the Mac gets anything software-wise, it's something that comes to the iPad first. Right, right. Or something that already exists on the iPad. Right, right? Totally. So they might They might do some of these, like, education classroom apps for the Mac. Because I don't think there is one, right? Uh, there is not. <laughs> and, and, and really, schools, from, like, a management perspective, have all moved to something, or a lot of them have moved to something like, like Jamf, which is a sponsor of Relay. But they really, like are the place to go when you're talking about like fleet management. So if you have a school with a thousand MacBook Airs, that's what you're using to manage them, not not any first-party tools by Apple anymore. So there's as we have any Apple event, there's a lot of expectation. Um, What are we not going to see, do you think? (laughs) Out of the possibilities, right? I mean, like we're not going to see the next iPhone X, but like there are things that people are expecting could and and like in theory could have a place mm-hmm. at an event like this. But what do you think is not going to happen? I mean, the iPhone SE is due, but it's not an education event is the wrong place for it. I kind of thought when the Apple Watch PR release dropped this morning that the iPhone SE two press release was going to be like five minutes after it, and I'm still waiting for that. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that if they did it, they were going to do like what you said, but like I didn't think there would be something beforehand. Like I figured that with the press release of whatever happens on Tuesday, right. there's also an iPhone S, which could still happen. It, it could. Uh, but I think and, is less likely now they've done the Apple Watch uh, bands. Unless that they, 
The only thing I would say with, to that is if the this event is going to be sort of lower in the press cycle, that if you have an iPhone SE announcement come out at the same time, then maybe you can hope those two things can ride together. So maybe, uh, you know, I think if we get past this event and there's no iPhone SE 2, then I don't think it's coming anytime soon. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it is worth saying stuff like air power and stuff like that right. you would maybe expect to come, and it's probably not focused on the event. So there is still possibility, yeah. you know, especially if the iPhone SE got um chi charging which i don't think it will but it could and if it did it might kinda, be interesting to announce them together. Go together um yeah i don't think the ipad pro was part of this a they just updated them nine months ago in june and so let me let me ask you then why did they clearly hint with an apple pencil swoopy line for the logo do you think it means apple pencil support on the cheaper ipads i don't read into the artwork <laughs> yeah but okay but mm, <laughs> events events do have things that sh- that don't go with the artwork right like it does happen like the bokeh effect on the iphone 7 thing and yeah etc 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 that's such a clear sign that i would be surprised if the apple pencil wasn't included in some way in the event and if it's going to be and they don't do an ipad pro it could do you reckon we would see th- th- this this ipad this cheaper ipad of apple pencil support uh i think it's a po- i think it's a possibility that they and, and that again would help set them apart from what Google is doing, that if they have a tablet with pencil mm-hmm. input, that that's different. A lot of those Chromebooks don't have touchscreens uh, at that sort of lower price range. So, yeah, I think it's a possibility that... And, and I think whilst the Apple Pencil has been a thing to differentiate the regular one from the Pros, I think the iPad Pro that comes out this year, if it comes out this year, will be visually different enough yeah. that it doesn't need the Apple Pencil differentiator totally. anymore. Like, it can be differentiated by the fact that the screens are larger and yeah. it's got face ID and, and all new that new processors. Stuff, so. Like, you know, I expect a cheap iPad exactly. to have to be, you know, it's not going to run the same internals as the pro. No. So yeah, I think, I think it's a possibility. So I could see it now like a nine, seven with Apple pencil support. Yeah. Like I, I think it's, a, I think that that is a strong possibility and, and is really, really, really a product that Apple should be making now. I think, I mean, I, I still think the iPad mini would be nice um, for a lot of people, but I don't think that's going to happen. But I think a 9.7-inch iPad with the Apple Pencil would would do really good for a lot of people, like a lot of people, not even just the education crowd. So, yeah, I, I would be surprised if they didn't do that. Um, what about any other Macintosh news? Like, there is still the possibility, right, of, of other Mac news. Do you think that that's going to happen? I mean, they, they have had uh, education-only SKUs of desktops in the past. Right now, best I can tell, they don't. They just have cheaper iMacs. Um, but you know, it, it may be that they have something to say about desktop Macs because desktop Macs do still have a role in education. You know, the one-to-one program is where every kid has uh, a device, whether it be a laptop or a tablet. But in a lot of labs, a lot of libraries, a lot of classrooms, a lot of teachers are still using desktops. There's still a lot of iMacs in education, and so yeah, if they're if they're taking the time to talk about the one-to-one stuff, then. That may be an opportunity to say, hey, and also, you know, if you need a library full of iMacs, we've reduced the price 200 bucks, or, you know, you get more machine for your money or something. So I wouldn't be shocked if it happens, but I wouldn't be disappointed if it does not. It's like they say, like, oh, for all you teachers out there who've got a lot of hard work to do, here's a Mac Pro. All you teachers out there. I think that sort of voice. <laughs> yep. Um, Rick Allen in the chat room asked a question we don't know the answer to, of course, but can, we can discuss. Do we think the event will be webcast do we think there will be a video i think that there is a possibility more than ever that there won't be because it's in this weird yeah 
place. I mean, there still could be because people will expect it, but I think that there might not be. And the I'm actually quite excited about the possibility of there not being a video because it'll be back to live blogs oh, again. And then, <laughs> there's something nostalgic about that, right? Like I'll have The Verge open and Six Colors open mm-hmm. and TechCrunch and I'll be like scrolling and looking at all the pictures. I don't know. There's, there's something about that which... Which would be kind of interesting, I think. It might be it might be in a weird way kind of enjoyable to do it. Especially for an event that, you know, I'm not gonna be super bummed about most likely if I miss the announcements on a video, right? Like, cause this is typic this is probably gonna be a little bit more low key. That it might be fun to experience that nostalgia for an afternoon. Yeah, I, I would I don't think there's gonna be a video. I think it's probably too small. And again, that helps set the expectation of this is an industry event. We invited press because it's going to get out of new ways. So why don't we control that? But it's really an industry event. So that I would say that that makes it even more important to tune into Upgrade because Jason will be there and we'll be recording straight after. So yes. make sure you subscribe to Upgrade and listen to next week's episode. It's like a live blog later, but in audio. In audio form. <laughs> Imagine that. Maybe we could try and convince Jason to live podcast from the the event. Do you think idea. Apple will allow that? So we're talking about, okay. about old Apple stuff. Do you remember the FaceTime demo and Steve Jobs yelled at people for using Wi-Fi hotspots? Yeah, it was like two weeks after everybody laughed at the fact that Google had the same problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Google Google did an event and like no nothing was working and it was because of Wi-Fi and then like two weeks later Apple had to do the same thing. And it was because of those like it was those little wireless box thingamajigs, right? Mm-hmm. Like the mobile hotspots. Yeah. That that was what the problem was. There were journal- journalists used to take like four of those because live blogs were such a thing, right? And you had to make sure that you 100% had connection. And if you didn't, then you would you wouldn't be able to post anything. I'm actually really I'm I'm in tr- that's the one that's the thing I'm most excited about with this event is the possibility that there won't be a video. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I I maybe it's because I'm 30 now, so like I I want things of my youth or something. Wow. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> but <laughs> so so now I'm I'm looking forward to a live just reading some live blogs next week. Hmm. It'll be fun. Today's show is also brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a thing you want to say, you have some topics you want to cover, maybe you have some thoughts about Apple's event next week, you can share it so easily with Anchor. You just download the app from the App Store, and if you want to, you can record into it like you're talking on the phone, and then Anchor will take care of the rest. But if you want to go one step further, maybe you already have your own recording rig and you've been editing stuff in GarageBand or Logic, Anchor have just updated and add some awesome new stuff to their system. They now have a web system so you can upload your files directly. You'll get analytics so you can tell how many people are listening. Anchor will easily help you distribute your show to a variety of platforms, including Spotify and Google and obviously Apple Podcasts as well. And there are no fees for this podcast hosting. Now, Stephen, you have been hosting a show um, on Anchor called subnet do you want to talk a little bit about that and why uh why we've been using anchor for this yeah so subnet's sort of a a daily tech headline show i'm doing it six days a week which when i say out loud <laughs> seems like a lot of podcast it's fine though it's really good it's really good thank you yeah it's uh it's only a, a couple of minutes and we partnered with anchor because they their platform lets us put it on the google home and the amazon echo so you can ask your voice assistant can 
to play the news from Relay FM. And six days a week, you get stories, uh, top three headlines from from us. So that is a really hard problem to do on your own. We looked at it and we just yep. like walked away from it. And Anchor makes it mm-hmm. super easy. I upload audio to their dashboard. I don't have to like log into Amazon or log into Google. The Anchor platform takes care of all of it. And it's it's really easy to use. It fits right in my workflow. I don't have to go out of my way to make that possible. If you want to subscribe to Subnet, which you should, and also find out more about Anchor, go to anchor.fm slash RelayFM. That is A-N-C-H-O-R.fm slash RelayFM to check out what Anchor has to offer and also subscribe to Stephen's show, Subnet, and then you can get the tech news headlines every morning whilst you're making your breakfast. Our thanks to Anchor for their support of this show and RelayFM. So you wrote an article um, titled EPAD, which was in reference to everything that was going on, right? You kind of making reference to this education event because Apple has historically had an E line of products. What is the E line of products? It's, I mean, it's around the 10. It is Apple's former line of education only products. So the eMac is the most famous example. It was a G4 powered computer that looked kind of like an iMac G3, but just like bulked up. And white, right? Like just yes, all white. all white. Very heavy. Very heavy. Huh. While we're talking about old stories today. Mm-hmm. Federico's never going to miss an episode again. Uh, <laughs> History time with Uncle Stephen. <laughs> when I worked at the Apple Store as a genius, I had a school district about 90 minutes out of town who they would bring stuff in. Like every couple of months, they would show up with like 10 things, right? And one day they showed up in a white panel van full of Emacs, Mike, full of like 25 mm. Emacs. The Emacs, there was one model that had a particular problem. There was a recall or like a repair extension program. So we repaired them for free. But I accepted them all at once. And these parts were back ordered. So our Apple store, like literally any place behind the scenes, like at the manager's office or the break room, uh, I had to stash these customers' Emacs until the parts came in. It took like a month. I got very good at this one repair. So anytime I see an Emac, I sort of like, get a little heartburn thinking about getting yelled at by my manager for accepting 25 broken computers at once. But anyways, Emac was an education machine was out the same time of the iMac G4. It was started at just a thousand dollars, which was like $300 less than the intro entry level iMac. Uh, it was initially sold only to schools, but it ended up rolling out to consumers everywhere. Cause actually it turns out people wanted this machine cause it was cheap and it was around for a long time. Um, like three and a half or four years. They had several models of it. It was sort of the flagship for like the E line of computers. They also had the E mate, which was like ran the Newton OS and was in a clamshell and they made it for schools. It didn't do very well. It was on sale like nine months. But um, the idea was that Apple like- Did I tell you I, have a, I, used, I used to use an E mate? Like I broke my wrist when I was a kid and we had them in school. Um, I broke my left wrist so I couldn't write anything. So they gave me an e-mate. That's awesome. And I had an e-mate for like six weeks or something. I have was, one on my bookcase. Everyone looked at me really, really weirdly. I bet. Because I was walking around school with this like super strange computer keyboard yeah. like typewriter it's a thing. Weird, it's a weird little device. It's very weird. Very weird. But it, it, it the e-mac in particular was really the last time Apple made a true education-only computer. They've, they've had SKUs like we talked about in the last segment of the 11... MacBook Air, the 13 MacBook Air that, you know, cheaper, less powerful or whatever. The eMac Apple designed and developed and built for education and they ended up selling them to consumers as well. I think there's room for this today, not in the back line, 
uh, because I think the future of Apple and education is the iPad. But I think there is room, potentially, if anything, it's a fun experiment, thought experiment, for an education-first iPad, for an ePad, if you will, a, a tablet that Apple designs with the needs of education and schools in mind and the consumer secondary. Because right now what Apple's doing is they're taking the low end of their consumer line and selling it to schools, right? So that cheap iPad, the MacBook Air, those are consumer products that Apple is just sort of shoveling into schools at a slightly reduced price. And that may be one reason they're losing ground to Google because Chromebook manufacturers are making these machines. Some of them do the same thing with their consumer and education, but a lot of them are making education-specific models, or at least models with education uh, in in mind first. And sometimes the needs of the consumer and the school are the same, but a lot of times they're different. And the eMac met some of those needs that schools had. And I think the iPad in particular is a, is a device I think would be very interesting to see what, what it could look like if Apple made an education model uh, that was you know primarily built for schools. And maybe it was a consumer thing too, but focused on schools. I think that would be a very different approach for the iPad and one I think that's a fun thought experiment to to partake in. So I've thought of this in two ways, right? Like if you take a current iPad, there's things you'd have to add to it and things that you'd have to remove from it, mm-hmm. probably, right? To turn an iPad into an ePad. So I want to break these two things down separately. So let's first start with what are the things that you would want to add to an iPad to make it more focused for education? I think the primary thing is making the the product more rugged. Ruggedability is ruggedability is the main thing that you're yeah. looking for. Um, I look forward to hearing uh, somebody, you know, Phil Schiller say that word on stage. I don't know ruggedability, my butt. Hmm. That's what he's going to say. Yeah. And then they won't update it for four years, and everyone will be sad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the breakage rate of iPads in education. So I talked to several people when writing this article, and I kind of heard numbers all over the map, so I didn't really include any of them. But no doubt, some percentage of iPads get broken in schools. And whatever that number is, schools would like it to be fewer iPads broken in schools. I mean, even if it's like, even if you were a school and you'd never had an iPad break, right? Like never, not one. But they said this one is more rugged, you'd be like, give me it, right? Because it's it's the thought of what are we going to do if one day, like, some kid bumps into the cart and pushes them all down the stairs, <laughs> oh right? <my> God. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like in Home Alone with the, the tool chest, you know? Like, is this going oh down the staircase? <laughs> so, you know, just the idea of the, it being more rugged, the idea of, of increased ruggedability uh, would be a good, yeah. it's just a good thing to it's have no in, in an education-focused device. Right. Right, which is why they sell. Who is it that makes that really weird block rubber case that is only in education? Is that Logitech? Maybe. There's like this this weird education iPad case with a keyboard on it, um, which is like all kind of ruggedy. I'll find it. Okay, it'll be in the show notes. I'm not saying you've got to build that or like make the thing like an OtterBox, but you could you could swap out the aluminum for something else you know, rubbery plastic thing. Think about the iBook G3. Like, I'm not saying you have to build something curvy and orange, although if it was orange, more schools would buy it, Apple, because people love orange computers. Something to make it more rugged. You know, I think you have to keep the glass, but having some sort of lip around it, making it tougher, 
seems like a uh, a no-brainer for me. And while you're there, if you add a little battery capacity to get through the school day easier, that's just a bonus. I think pencil support would be good. I view that as less important, but I think it's something that a lot of schools would be interested in. And I think a primary thing is some sort of um, some sort of keyboard system. So I talked to Fraser Spears about this. In the U.S., a lot of states for like state testing require a hardware keyboard to be used. I don't really know why that is. I assume it's to kind of make everyone on the same level playing field or whatever, but or some sort of like ancient rule that's just that's carried on. Uh, but the, that cheap iPad does not have a smart connector, and so. If you are buying a bunch of iPad Air 2s or the fifth generation iPad, you're also buying a bunch of cases. And if if you buy a thousand iPads and the cases are 40 bucks a piece, you spent 40 grand on cases alone. And you got to do the same thing with keyboards. And so, you know, maybe there's the smart connector or maybe it's something if we're, go- if we're really like going just deep into this rabbit hole, like why not have an iPad with a more permanently attached keyboard in some sort of clamshell mode or something a little more robust than the smart connector. I think we've all have experienced frustration with a smart connector in the past. Um, but, you know, having something available to make the keyboard uh, cheaper and tougher and more reliable seems like a, a, a pretty good thing. It's the Logitech rugged combo is what I was thinking of. It is the ugliest case in the world, um, but it's made for education. Is I put a link in the show notes so you can see it if you want to. It is it is horrific. It takes everything you might like about an iPad and makes it uglier, but like that's not the point, right? Like the point is you make the best, yeah, most ruggedy thing that you can make. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, do, you, do in your mind, do you think that the best thing to do is to like change the actual design of the physical product, or like it just comes with this extra case? What do you think is the best way to get around it? Uh, it, it may be a change. I mean, you know, I think if we're saying Apple should create something for education, then I think it, I don't think you're bound by what the current iPad is. So, mm-hmm. all right. So let's say in this, in this, this Stephen Hackett product, the ePad, yes. would it have pencil support and a smart connector? Uh, I think it would have pencil support. And I think it would, if it doesn't have the smart connector, some sort of like reliable keyboard tech, you know, I, I guess smart connector is better than Bluetooth. So yeah, we'll say smart connector. And here's something I thought of, right? Because a lot of these devices are kept in one of those big carts, which you can anyone can buy. Like if you have like a hundred iPads at home, it is possible on Apple's online store to buy one of those big carts in case you need it. Which is one of the funniest things to me. Like I love the idea that they sell this to anybody. Like I'm trying to find it now. Like I'll I'll, I'll find it and I'll just say like how much it costs and stuff. It's because it's hilarious. I think, I think Gray had one before he gave up the iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He did. He did. Yeah. He wheels it around from office to office. <laughs> um, and I was wondering, like, with one of these carts or like some big solution, would it be like really easy to just have Qi charging and something like this, so you never have to plug it in? Yeah, it could be it could be Qi charging or uh, what a lot of those carts do now is like the lightning cable is like in the back of the bay and then you sort of put the slide the iPad in and plug it in. Um, hmm. What the speaking of the the eMate, what the eMate did, it has contact points on the bottom. So like you put it in the in the case or whatever and it just makes contact with the case and charges. So it's not wireless, but you're not plugging something in either. So I think I think just some way to charge it more quickly and in a way that's less fragile. Like we've all broken lightning cables. Like the one on my desk is like 
all of a sudden, like two days ago, just started shred- shredding its outer skin like it's a snake. Like, I don't know. I don't know why it's doing that. <laughs> so something I don't like that at all. Something. Uh, yeah. Some <laughs> something to charge it, make charging more easy and more reliable. Yeah, it's definitely a win. I think it's an important part of of education products for sure. I actually can't find that 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 cart anymore. I think they might have taken it off the I store, know it well. which is really upsetting. I've uh, put a lot of those together over the years for Max. So let's talk about the things that you'd have to lose. Like what cuz obviously if it has to get cheaper, right? Then you can't make it like an iPad Pro, right? You have to take some features away from it to help make it something that can be cheaper. So what does that look like? What do you get rid of from the current iPad line to make an education focused iPad? <laughs> Just limit the margins. <laughs> All right, but let's let's work in a world where that, you know, you you can't just well like because like, as well, you can't just be like here's an iPad Pro but now it's $200. Like this product has to have some limitations to it, right? To- no, totally. It's all about what compromises you pick. I think there I think these are pretty obvious actually like no LTE option, no uh true tone or the what is the 120 hertz is called, whatever it's called. Oh man, what is that called? Fast the one- scrolling. They gave it they gave it a name, didn't Some they? Butter scroll. Something display? I don't know. It makes my brain freak out, so I turned it off. I love it. I love it. And uh, you can you can use older processors in these things. Like You don't need... What's in the iPad Pro now, the A10? ProMotion. 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 Do you think I saved people tweeting at us? Nope. Do you think I no, got it in they're, time? They're tweeting. No. Promotion and and you can use older processors, right? And and less storage, like it's sort of the you know the standard things. You have two speakers instead of the four speakers in the iPad Pro, but it is a challenge. Like we have it, Rosemary found it. The Bretford PowerSync oh, car God. forty for iPad and iPad Mini. There it is. Uh, Rosemary in the chat room found it. It's three grand, uh, but it holds. <laughs> it can hold forty and charge forty devices. Rosemary saved the day. There's two in there actually. There's two. There is the Bretford PowerSync and twenty, and then the Bretford PowerSync forty. Weirdly, the Bretford PowerSync twenty costs two grand, and then the forty costs three grand. So really, you want the forty, you don't want the twenty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the uh, the old Mac versions of these carts had timers on them, so like you would charge the top row of MacBooks, and then it would charge the bottom row of MacBooks because it couldn't charge them both at once. Hmm. And if you screwed it up... It's too much power. Uh, yeah, too much power. If you screwed it up, the kids, like, on the bottom row, didn't get their computers didn't get charged in time. Like, you had to adjust the timer. Uh, mm. Very exciting. And those things are yeah, built okay. like tanks. I had to replace the timer in one of them once, and I thought I was going to die. Like, I was, like, on my back, like, in, like, the student, like, teacher lounge at the school, and, like, my my arms up above my head's like trying to change this timer and like i dropped a wrench and said some terrible words like in elementary school and it was very exciting um anyways what are we talking about yes you can get rid of all that stuff uh but i do think like i was joking about the margin but that i think is why like the most obvious reason this thing doesn't exist apple doesn't want to doesn't think that justifying doesn't think the expense is justifiable that they could sell enough of them to make the time and money to to, to, to develop it and design it worth it but two, to sell this at a cheaper price and to put all the things that I want in it just isn't compatible with what Apple wants to make per product. And I would imagine that the margin on the eMac was pretty good because they used a bunch of um, old stuff in it. 
and they you know had, they had to design a case, but you know the tech stuff was all pretty well known. But something like this, um, that's definitely going to be expensive to develop and to design and to, to produce. And Apple's going to want to keep the margin there. And so I think ultimately that's why something like this is not in the cards. And I got, you know, watch me be wrong about all of this, but I just don't see Apple developing a new product from scratch and being able to sell it for 300 bucks or 200 bucks. So why could this product then, you know, in theory, not just be the Jason Snell iOS laptop? Like it would have a keyboard built into it. Um, it still has all the safety and security of iOS, right, over macOS and whatever it is Apple's trying to do there. Um, and also it'd have a bigger battery in it, most likely, if it's in a kind of a laptop form factor, you'd maybe have a bit more space. Like, isn't isn't that just what this should, should be if they're going to make something it like this? It definitely could be. I mean, uh, I realized that after I wrote my blog post, so I, I was like, oh, well, this sort of defeats the whole thought experiment. But <laughs> Shh, don't worry about it. it. Definitely, <laughs> you could still call it the same thing. You called the EPAD. Uh, it definitely could be mm-hmm. right. Like there is a reason the notebook form factor has done so well for so long. I still think, at least, and others will disagree with me, that the notebook form factor is superior to an iPad plus a smart keyboard in a lot of ways. It's not as flexible. That flexibility is not as important in schools, right? Because students are at desks and at tables. They're not like lounging on a couch doing things on their iPad like the rest of us are. So, so yeah, so maybe this is just a, a, a cheap notebook that ha- runs iOS instead of macOS. Like that'd be a fascinating product. You know, if that does come true, I think consumers would want it. So maybe it jumps into both categories. But yeah, absolutely. Like I think Snell's iBook thing he's talked about for so long totally answers all the issues i've raised all right i have one last question for you on this okay and this is about everything right all of this the ePad thought experiment stuff but also this event in general right that apple are doing this education focused event why even do this like what does apple actually gain for spending this much money time and effort on putting their devices in schools like what is the what is the reason you do this i mean education is a big market and schools do have money to spend and they spend a lot of money Um, They don't spend it as often as consumers do, right? Like Macs and one-to-one deployments in schools are, A, they're often leased. So Apple makes revenue every year. And then every three or four years, they put a bunch of money down and start it over. They spend a lot of money on on that hardware. And I think the more cynical answer and one that is just as true is that if a, a student encounters an Apple product in a school, they may be more likely to want an Apple product when they're out of school. And right. That's like icky and weird. It's how you get people in the top of the funnel. It's how right? it works. It's worked. It worked for me, right? Like, uh, you know, I was introduced to the Mac in school. Yeah, and I fell in love with it, and it changed my entire me too. Career. Right, like seeing an iMac in my school. My school had like three of them, and it was my my entire world changed because it was this incredible thing. Yeah. You know, like all the computers that I'd used before that were, you know, they were either the green text on the black screen type of thing or they were just junky pcs right Mm -hmm. and then i saw this imac and it was like what is this and then it kind of sent me on this path so like you can still do that right like you give kids ipads and they're like this is brilliant and then they just want to use ipads and apple stuff for the rest of their life yeah and the thing is i don't think that's bad i think that's fine like i think it's that is a fine thing to do like it's okay you know everybody needs technology now right like it's part of our lives so if you're one of these big technology companies, focusing to get people while they're young is a good thing. 
you know. Yeah. There is this whole other argument about like the screen time problem that yeah, people but, believe and feel and right now. But and, and you that, know. that's a conversation worth having. But I think that schools need technology, and if they're not going to buy it from Apple, they're going to buy it from somebody. So well, why, from Apple's perspective, yeah. why shouldn't it be Apple? Uh, I do. My completely unscientific like belief on this is that in five years' time, ten years' time, maybe twenty we will look back and laugh that there, this was ever a question mm-hmm. like because screens will just become so yeah. more much more prevalent in our lives like it it is like the idea of of uh parents saying to their kids oh you don't stop reading <laughs> you know like you're reading books all the time like i i believe it to be something like that Maybe. like think of how much we use screens as adults now like it's only going to continue so I, uh, but anyway i don't have kids so you know pinch I mean, you can borrow mine anytime you want sure I would love to. They're great. I do think they are great. I do think that sort of halo effect around education is less than it used to be. Like in the nineties when like I, I first used the Mac in like fifth grade or something, um, that was the only place I was going to see a Mac, right? Like no one owned them. That is a very good point. Like this could be an old way of thinking. And, and I kind of think that I think it's still a relevant thought, but I think it's less relevant than it used to be because not that Apple's market share has exploded in Macs, but with iPhones and iPads, like there's not a kid who hasn't used an Apple product at some point, right? Like it, it's, it, I'd be hard pressed to think about uh, that being true for many students, at least in like relatively well-to-do areas. Um, and this this whole conversation is like bypassing all of that stuff, which we're just not going to touch. But uh, students who who use technology in some form or fashion have surely seen or used an Apple product at some point. So I think it's less important now than it used to be. But yeah, like in the 90s, the only people buying Macs were schools and publishers. And like, so unless your parents worked in publishing and brought an old Mac SE home, you probably weren't going to see one. Uh, At least it was a lot less likely than it is now. And so I do think that's still an important factor to this. And I think it's something that Apple thinks about. And I think that education is just important to the company. Lastly, I think that they... I think it's a really important thing in our society, and Apple truly believes that their products make things better for their users. And Apple really cares about education, so those two things go really nicely together. So Apple wants to be there. They want to serve students and teachers because they believe in what teachers do, and they make money from it as a business, and they gain lifelong customers. Like, all that's gravy. Um, So I think it's an important thing for Apple to still pay attention to, even though it is not as important overall as it used to be. I mean, education really helped keep Apple afloat for a long time. That's not true anymore, but I still think they view it as an important part of their overall strategy. And I'm hoping that next week shows that that is still true. Today's episode is also brought to you by Ting, the mobile phone service that wants to help save you money. Ting believes you should only pay for what you use. And with prices like $10 per gigabyte of data, the average Ting customer pays just $23 a month per phone. If you're in the US and you use a cell phone, you're going to love what the folk at Ting can do for you. And I would expect that's quite a lot of people. Uh, Ting doesn't believe in contracts, overage fees, or unlimited plans with tons of catches. They have top-rated, no-hold customer support. If you need something and call them... They will 
answer you. You get through to a real person and they're going to help you. They're not going to like pass you on from person to person. Tango are focused on offering the best prices they can for their customers and any savings that they make, they will pass on to you. 80% of phones made in the last two years can come to Ting and Ting supports both GSM and CDMA. They even allow you to get the latest iPhone as soon as they launch along with AppleCare too. So you can go to Ting and get an iPhone 10 right now of AppleCare. If you're currently stuck in a contract, Ting will offer a 25% credit off your early termination fee as well. This is up to $75 per device that you bring to Ting. To get started, head over to connected.ting.com and use their handy device checker to confirm your phone can make the switch. And if you're looking to upgrade, they have plenty of options available for you in their online store. Listeners of this show can save $25 on selected devices or keep it as a Ting credit. Go to connected.ting.com right now and see how much you can save and sign up. Our thanks to Ting for their support of this show and Relay FM. So there was a report from Mark Gurman, which was published uh sentence by sentence um, a few days ago, which was very weird. Uh, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a headline posted, right, on Bloomberg, and the headline was, Apple is secretly developing its own screens for the first time. And then there was, like, an opening paragraph and it said, developing? And then over the course of, like, an hour or something, the whole story got fleshed out. And I have a theory about this. Um, if you remember a few weeks ago when Axios published that article about um, iOS 12 yes. slowing down, they published it like that. They published like the opening paragraph and then added to it. Keep getting refreshed to get those ad views, son. Well, I just think more in the case of like, then Goma's report was old. So I expect they found this out or like were confident enough to publish this and then just started to publish it piece by piece. So they, so in case anybody else had it, mm. that's my theory. Maybe. Like they wanted to make sure that they were first and then everybody else could, could be late if they wanted to. Because I've never seen them publish a story like that before where it's just like piece by piece and ended up being a, a large article. Very strange. Yeah. Anyway, not important. Um, so the report is that Apple is currently developing and producing their own micro LED displays. This is a new technology. Um, it uses different light emitting compounds to OLED. And the reason that it is something that people are interested in is it can reduce the overall component sizes, which, of course, as Apple would be interested in, can make devices smaller because Apple loves to make devices smaller. Um, but it can also reduce power requirements and the screens can be brighter on uh, micro LED than on OLED. Um, micro LED is apparently extremely difficult to manufacture and Apple's been working on it for a few years. Um, it's been a, apparently a very up and down situation, but they finally got it to a place where they're happy with it. Um, Apple are not going to make these themselves. Like they're not going to build their own factory. They have their own plant in Santa Clara, California right now. There are about 300 engineers working on it, according to Bloomberg. Um, but they will uh, specify the entire design for these screens to a third party manufacturer in the same way that they do their processes. Yeah. Now, the way that Apple currently works with screens, I'm not 100% sure how it works. So in Mark Gurman's report, he says that Apple uses Samsung design displays, which they make their own calibration to afterwards. Uh, John Gruber posted an article on Daring Fireball saying that iPhone 10 screens are an Apple design, which have been years in the making, and that they uh, they do this because Apple uh, Samsung sorry, is the only company in the world that can produce the displays at scale, and they're not off the shelf. They're an Apple design. Um, and that because Samsung and Apple are arch rivals, they want to move away from this. I don't know what 
how these are made, like whether it is Apple just buying a screen from Samsung and calibrating it, or they tell Samsung how they want them made and Samsung makes them. But the point is that Apple can fully specify a design with this micro LED stuff and then have it made in a way that they can't right now. Like Samsung has to be involved in this in some way. Samsung is the only company that's able to do it for them and that maybe this isn't the arrangement they want to be in. Now, and there's nobody else that they can go to, right? right? As it turns out right now, as you see with other phones, like the Pixel 2, other OLEDs are not are, are not as good as what Samsung can make. Like, And that's why Samsung's screens in their own phones are so good because they are the best right now at making them. Mm-hmm. So... Let me. That's one of the things that's really interesting about this. So, the micro LED stuff. It is. It requires this process called LED transfer. That's one of the processes you need, and it's something about like having all these. I think you have like three LEDs, like a red, green, and blue, in one pixel, and it's it's this really complicated process to get these to work, and it requires this thing called LED transfer. Apple bought a company called Luxview in 2014, which owns the intellectual property for this process. So it seems like if this is the only way you can do this, that Apple will be the only company that can make micro LED displays. Yeah. So. That's why they're doing all of this. Because OLED, they have to go to somebody else for. But micro-LED will be theirs. And if micro-LED turns out to be better, then we're in the retina era all over again, right? Where, like, Apple can make these screens, or however it is that they do it, their way and nobody else can do it, or everyone's super far behind until they can come up with their own process to make something akin to micro-LED. So that's why they would want to do this, because Apple own the intellectual property to make these displays and other people can't do it right now. So then they would maybe go to like LG or Sharp or someone and say like, this is how you do it. We're going to set up this factory with mm-hmm. you and then you're going to make these displays for Which us. Which again, something they do all over the place. <laughs> Which is they do this for like processors, right? right. They're, all their processors are done this way. They, they set up a design, help companies set up factories and do yep. it. They did it with the glass, that glass factory, and then they ended up not using their glass, the Sapphire one, and that company basically exploded, right? Yeah. yeah. So this is something that Apple do. And it's something that they will do for, for these. Now, according to Mark Gurman, uh, these screen technologies are multiple years away. Like, this is multiple years away still. And if and when Apple do this, it will likely start with the Apple Watch because it's a smaller display and they need less of them. And if it works, it will move to the iPhone mm-hmm. in maybe maybe five or six years' time, something like that. What do you think about all of this? I think it makes total sense. Apple is a company that wants to control as much of its hardware stack as possible like they do the processors mm-hmm. they're doing the gpus now on the ios devices they want to control as much as possible like i i don't buy personally this like oh it's samsung no, either um i think that's baloney because like both samsung and apple are, are, are probably like it's like whatever right like samsung want to make the, the screens for apple because there's so many of them yes apple want to buy the screens from samsung they're the because best. they're the best everyone just goes along with yeah. it like I, I don't feel that like oh we have to make these so we get away from samsung i think it's just apple want to have something that's better than everybody else and if they believe that this technology is best then they will do that because then if it is that good and they're the only ones that can make it that's another selling point right oh yeah i think the apple versus samsung like that exists in the consumer realm but when you're talking about manufacturing a like with samsung at least that's a very different part of their company like Samsung is enormous, and uh, I think I think it's a they're operating on a different level at that point. 
But uh, I do think that there is something to be said for not it being Samsung and that's icky, but uh, just being beholden to someone else controlling things, right? That, um, mm-hmm. like, if you think years ago, Apple bought up like some giant percentage of all the NAND flash in the world for like iPods mm-hmm. and early iPhones. And they did that to help guarantee that they could get the parts they wanted. And with the Samsung display, and, you know, wherever the truth is between, like, the two different reports, clearly, at the very least, Apple is tinkering with the Samsung display to get exactly what they want. And I would imagine they would rather control the whole thing. And, again, that doesn't mean they're making their own screens directly, but they're, you know, they're going in partnership with somebody. They're building a factory. They own the factory. They own the output of the factory, and the company manufactures it. So this makes tons of sense to me. It sounds like this technology is better than OLED, which like honestly, like you having the iPhone 10 now for, you know, what is it coming up on five or six months? Um, I've been really happy with the display and to a point where like I pick up an older iPhone or another device. I'm like, I kind of want OLED on everything. Um, it's really great. And I think that it's clearly where Apple's going to go for the next few years. But it seems like in this report and other things I've read about micro LED that it's that it's makes everything good about OLED and makes it even better. And uh, that's awesome. So I'm excited to see what this looks like. And I think starting with the Apple Watch makes a ton of sense. There was a detail in this report that Apple, like in this Santa Clara place, they're making these micro LED displays by hand. Like <laughs> like like uh, it's like an Etsy shop for displays, but they're using them in prototypes. Right. Like, so they are using prototype Apple watch boards and stuff with these displays. And like, I I had never really thought about that, but it makes a ton of sense that if, if you were doing an R and D project on new hardware, why not use that in your prototypes for devices? Cause you can control in house, right? Like we don't hear leaks, like hardware manufacturing leaks the way we have in the past. Maybe this is one reason why, because Apple's doing more of this in house and, uh, so it's, it's, I, I totally believe it's happening. I totally believe that if they can make this work, Apple would want to do this. Clearly, they're spending a lot of money and effort on this, and I think that they believe it'll pay off. And I, I agree. I think it. I think it could be something that would set future phones apart from their rivals. It is wild to think that they would own a potential screen technology like that. Feels like something that someone, not one company, should own, right? Not not in a bad way, but like it just feels like screen technology previously has kind of just been this thing where screens are made in these certain ways, yeah, yeah and then like everyone can try and make the best one mm-hmm. that they can, you know, like LCD and LED and OLED yeah. and stuff. Um, and now Apple will potentially own this process for a while like my expectation is is like if these end up being that good someone will just work out another way to make them that like doesn't that isn't this specific process but apple have a head start because like this comp they bought this company four years ago and they were doing it like they worked it out so like that is a head start right they've got a whole big thing like you know they've they've got a whole situation set up right Mm -hmm. now where they're building these things um i think it's i think it's very interesting it is more of like a question for me of like with the amount of money that Apple has, like it's still surprising to me that they just don't set up their own factories that they own and just run it themselves. I guess it's just that they don't want to deal with the hassle of doing that. Yeah. Right. Like so that they give it to these third party companies. It is really funny that like they, they do all this work, they create these, these prototypes and like you build it. Right. It's just, it just seems kind of funny to me. Yeah. And if they're going to manufacture them in China, which in this climate, they, they may say they're going to do it in the U S but say it's in China in particular, that's just not Apple's strong suit. And there, there are companies there. It's like they're... 
This is what yeah, they do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. what they do. And you're talking about the Apple Watch, you know, that's one thing. But you're talking about the iPhone, like, that needs the scale of China manufacturing. They're not going to be making iPhone screens mm-hmm. in California or Texas or somewhere. You know, they made the Trash Can Mac Pro in Texas, and I guess there's still, like, one dude there making one every few weeks. Yep. But um, this, if it really goes as broadly as they seem to want it to, then, yeah, the only way forward is to to go to a Foxconn or a Sharp or somebody and say, hey, this is our you know patented way of doing this, and these are the, the metrics, and you're going to start building them, and then we will buy 100% of the yield. So, yeah, it's exciting. You know, I've been so impressed with OLED, and i just just excited to think about what could be next. Is that the show? That feels like the show, man. We did it. All right. I don't, I don't have any more old Apple stories, so it seems like it's, it's time to wind it down. Are you sure? I don't believe that. I don't believe that's the case. Well, nothing, nothing's coming to mind uh, okay. immediately. I've been, uh, I spent like two days making a YouTube video, so I can't, uh, it's, it's a lot of thought process went to the show, and now I'm very tired. YouTube.com slash 512pixels. Smash that subscribe button. The video will be up about the time the podcast goes up, I think. It's good one. I've seen it already because I'm like that. Yeah. It's good. Because you're a 512 member and you get the newsletter. Mm-hmm. 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 So I did I plug the other thing that I... Okay. Yeah, I noticed that. If you want to find show notes for this week, and there are a bunch of show notes you should look at this week, like the the Beatles iPod, just click that one and buy a WDC ticket. Do that first and then look at the Beatles iPod. Uh, you can find all that stuff in your podcast app of choice or on the web at relay.fm slash connected at slash 185. We're coming up on 200, man. It's, that's mm. bananas. You can get in touch with us there as well. There's an email link that comes to me. So just send nice things to the email, please. If you have something bad to say about the show, you can find uh, Federico on Twitter at Viticci, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. <laughs> you can tweet Mike, I-M-Y-K-E, and uh, you can find me there mm-hmm. as ISMH. Uh, we have some awesome sponsors that made this all possible, Squarespace, Anchor, and Ting. Go check them out. And uh, I guess until next time, Mike, say goodbye. Cheerio. Adios.